On this week's Against the Grain, we devalue the NFL wide receiver. Sounds fun, right? Enjoy. We are cutting against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Now your host for Against the Grain. Against the grain. Here's Andrew Perloff. Against the grain. Welcome back to Against the Grain. I'm your host, Andrew Perloff. I'm here with our producer, Mario Miranda, who's out a few weeks. How are you doing, Mario? I'm doing well. I can't complain. Uh, I assume you listen to every second of the podcast that I, you miss. I did. I think it was uh, lacking a little luster. Yeah, no, there was definitely a hole there. I also said that the Bears are going to go to the playoffs, and they laid an egg. I mean, come on, Nick Foles. Do something for me. And I talked about how great Nick Mullins was. That didn't exactly work out, although I thought it was kind of ridiculous that Shanahan pulled him at the end of the game against the Eagles on Sunday night, even though he was going to go against a prevent and pad his numbers, Nick Mullins will be back. Mark my words. Okay, this week, we start every week with three against the grain takes. My first one is about wide receivers. Oh, yeah. Oh, catching wow. your interest, huh? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a major position. Whoa. It's a skill position. You yeah. might call them uh, talent. Uh, okay, wide receivers. There's something bizarre going on in the NFL. There's about a million wide receivers who are better than anyone I've ever seen in my life. And I'm going to go back to last week. David Moore, who is a seventh-round pick out of East Central. I, don't, I think that's in Oklahoma. I'm not sure. Caught a ball in the corner of the end zone that my entire childhood, I don't think I've seen a catch this good. Somehow kept his uh, feet down. Russell Wilson works that corner magically. You see that every week. Guys keep their toes in, jump as high as they can catch balls in traffic, and it doesn't have to be a first-round pick. It's anybody. Then you see on Monday night, Green Bay goes out. The receivers are hurt. No Lazard, no Devontae Adams. They don't even use Valdez Scantling. They throw to Robert Tanya in the tight end, and Aaron Rodgers is unstoppable. So it's making me wonder, is it worth investing a lot in wide receiver when it's become like the running back, like you get one anywhere? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Is the wide receiver becoming the new running back? I think the wide receiver is becoming the new running back, which makes no sense if you haven't followed the don't pay the running back. Uh, <laughs> so who who are we taking now? Like, what what are we doing? Well, you still take them, but you don't have to pay them. Like, you know, Minnesota loses Stephon Diggs, who's awesome in Buffalo, but then they bring in Jefferson and don't miss a beat. You look at this week, a guy named Travis Fulgham caught the game winner for the Eagles. Now, yep. he, he was a walk-on at Old Dominion, apparently. That's who this guy is. You got... And it's not first-round guys who are incredibly talented. Cooper Cup was a later round. He was a third-round pick. He's amazing for the Rams. DK Metcalf, everyone passed on. He's like one of the best receivers in the NFL. You didn't need to take him in the first round. So you can wait on receivers. Just like a few years ago, we realized you can wait on running backs. Now, this year's class of receivers is insane. You got Jalen Waddell at Alabama. He looked great this past week. Oh, he's probably better than Jerry Judy. You mm-hmm. got Devontae Smith at Alabama. You got Jamar Chase, who's opted out at LSU. Justin Ross at Clemson. I think he... He's opt- hurt, though. Yeah. Uh, you Have you watched Florida, by the way? Do you yes. see that tight Pitts. end they have? Oh, Pitts. my. He's awesome. Get me. Get him on my team <laughs> right now. It's going to be... Last year was the famous wide receiver draft. This year's going to be better. So the wide receivers are coming out anywhere. That means the, the repercussions are be very careful drafting them high, but you get one later. It also yep. means you better get the right one. The Patriots took Nikhil Harry and passed on all sorts of guys. Terry McLaurin on the Redskins. DK Metcalf. Uh, happened, I mean, it happened with the Eagles a couple of years ago. Well, they took, that's the same Artega White thing. Artega White thing. Oh, man. So you got to be really careful. And you do, you know, I hate to say this, you really be careful paying them. I don't know if that's where you want to put your money. Okay, number two. There's a new trend that is developing. And it's going to take off in two months. 
but I'm ahead of the curve. Okay, let's hear it. Every NFL owner is sitting there saying, I want a Matt Rule. Matt Rule is the new coach of the Carolina Panthers. He was a college coach. He was at Baylor. He was at Temple. Uh, had some success. Mm-hmm. But he also had some experience in the NFL. I think he had a year or two with the Giants. Not high profile. He's not Dabo Sweeney, but he's obviously a very effective guy. I've heard Matt Rule, one of his great strengths, he's a communicator, he's an organizer, he's a CEO of the team, but he's not like in your face. I think everyone's going to say, get me that guy. I want a, a mid-level, outstanding college guy to come in. So I think that's going to be the hot new trend. A couple names, obviously Matt Campbell at Iowa State is going to be super hot. He's going to be he's probably going to get a call from USC too. So yeah. he's going to be hot in college too. You got Jeff Brom in Purdue. I think Ryan Day at Ohio State's a no-brainer. I know he's got a great program at Ohio State, but dude, wait till that offense is unleashed in a few really? weeks. Oh, Ryan Day, he's got all the Urban Meyer stuff without any of the Urban Meyer baggage. He's going to be good. And I think Lincoln Riley gets back in the mix. It's just that time of year, huh? Where no. Lincoln Riley starts to float around. Well, I think if you're looking at the NFL, you're not going to want retreads. Uh, you know, I'm curious. In the NBA, the Sixers were looking at Doc Rivers and Mike D'Antoni. Meanwhile, like... Nick Nurse is like redefining the league in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you need a Nick Nurse in the NFL if that makes any sense. Well, it's proven that these guys that you you know have that have not had success in other places won't have success in the next place. Adam Gase, I mean, I feel like that's a primary example. He wasn't, he didn't have that much success in Miami, and he's having even least less success yeah. in New York. Yeah, Bill Belichick didn't have success in Cleveland, and it's done okay in New England. But I hear, yeah, I, I think there's going to be a college coach trend. Cliff Kingsbury, if they play well this year, you know, everyone ripped that hiring, and people don't rip it anymore. So because, you know, something DP always says it's really smart. The, the football thought is trickling up from college to the pros in a way, offensively. And it sort of seems like that's the trend now. I, I think Matt Rule is awesome, and I think other teams are going to want him. Okay, third trend, shovel passes. Third against a grain take, that is. Shovel passes are handoffs, Mario. They are not passes. Shuttle, shovel. Patrick Mahomes had two of them on mm-hmm. Monday night for touchdowns. He did not throw the ball downfield. He just basically tossed the ball a foot ahead. If he had tossed it a foot backwards, it would have been a carry. Now, fantasy football, this almost killed me this week. I will admit, this is personal. But <laughs> why is that a pass? That should be a handoff. I think it's going to be revolutionary, and I know people are really angry at me for this take because there are certain people who love the shovel pass. Big Cat at Barstool loves the shovel pass. But that's a handoff. Am I wrong? Uh, I, I would go with a pass. It's helped me in the past. That's why. I could throw that pass. If I can do it, then it's not a pass. And these were so close to handing. Basically, if he has his hand on the ball and hands it to him, then it's not a – I don't know. If I, I, think if, if, if I hadn't gotten burned with it this week, I probably wouldn't care. Yeah. But I, I think the league's got to look into this. Yeah, like you said, it seems a little more personal. Um, it's helped me a lot in a couple bets. So I think I'm going to go with the fact that it's a pass. I think last week I had Patrick Mahomes over 290-something yards, the over on it, and that helped. So There, there you go. It's all personal. Yep. I looked up a shovel pass online, did a little research. So the first shovel pass apparently was in 1927 when the Duluth Eskimos and the Pottsville Maroons pulled it out. I'm not sure which team. Uh, someone named Bukowski flipped the ball forward instead of lateraling it. Uh, and that was the first shovel pass. And then in 2004, Peyton Manning's record 49th touchdown since mm-hmm. been broken was on a shovel pass. So that's a brief history of shovel passing in the NFL. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm enlightened. Yeah, you're learning something right now. I am. Uh, if anybody's still listening, I am totally psyched to have my friend, uh, Will Brinson, who works for CBSSports.com. You can catch up on CBS Sports HQ and the Pick 6 pod, which I often listen to. Uh, I know a lot of the guys with. Really cool. I want to dive with Will into a few topics around the NFL, including why is this MVP race getting so hyped? Here's Will Brinson. All right, Will, I was listening to the Pick 6 podcast this morning, as you know. I like to do because I like to criticize you and the boys. So you said, after watching Monday night, the Chiefs-Patriots, that there's a formula to slow down the Chiefs. Run the ball, play defense. And you said the two teams that could do this are the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Indianapolis Colts, which are interesting. I think you're onto something. But why'd you say those two teams and not Baltimore Ravens, who run and play defense, although they got torched by Mahomes, and the Tennessee Titans, who got to the AFC title game? Why did those two teams jump out to you as potential chief spoilers? Well, I mean, I think the Ravens' answer, Andrew, should be kind of, not obvious, but like they just got smoked by the Chiefs. Yep. And yep. One of the things I think you have to do against Mahomes that we saw, and the Patriots have done it, and they did it again, uh, and the Patriots did it against Russell Wilson, too, is you got to play zone on the back end. Yep. Because you need to have defenders watching Patrick Mahomes. Now, you run into the difficulties of, of you know, obviously, like, I mean, yeah, like if you play zone, you're leaving whole potential holes that they can target with zone beaters and all of that. Um, but I, th- I was talking with uh, Brady Quinn about this. Oh, your um, friend Brady Quinn. It was just waiting. Brady Quinn. Yeah, We're like Brady, a minute Brady. in, and you mentioned your broad, uh, your friendship with Brady. Usually, you wait yeah, about three minutes. Uh, right. I know. But Brady, uh, I, well, I like to give credit where credit's due. Brady was pointing out that even the Seahawks against the Dolphins did a, a situation where they dropped nine guys into coverage. Nine, mm. nine guys into coverage. And he was pointing out to me, we were just texting about it. He's pointing out, he's like, he thinks it might be more normal moving forward. And, you know, you saw it with the Texans and Vikings game. Like the, the Vikings didn't drop eight or nine, but they did drop seven and put guys into zone coverage and said, all right, look, you know, we're going to make you make a read. Like we're not going to give you this first read, for, especially for these mobile quarterbacks who might take off and pick up, you know, pick up chunk yardage. If you play mm-hmm. man, and you've got guys chasing receivers all around. So I think what you need to take down the Chiefs is you have to have, um, the ability to generate some pass rush up front without having to blitz and the ability to play zone on the back end uh, at times. You know, I don't think you have to be a full-blown zone team, but the ability to drop into coverage, still generate a pass rush, make Mahomes a little bit uncomfortable, uh, and then not give up those big plays. I just think if you're playing man against him, you're begging for, A, for like Tyreek Hill to run around. I mean, like Mahomes is going to extend the play. Tyreek Hill yep. is going to run around. You're going to get just torched deep. Um, and then B, I think that, um, you know, if, if you're a, like, like the Ravens want to blitz Mahomes completion percentage and statistics against the blitz is just outrageous for his career. And with Andy Reid, and it's just, I get that Don Martindale does what works for him. And I, I respect that. I would just stop doing it against him. And I, I do think the Titans, um, the Titans qualifies a team that we've seen him beat them. Yeah. I mean, like they have the power run game. They can slow it down. Um, you know, I think I think they could pull it off as well, but maybe not quite to the same extent. Well, DP started the show today. He said it would have been possibly a different result if Cam Newton had played. I mean, obviously there's validity to that because if they gotten anything out of Hoyer and Stidham, but I feel like the Chiefs would have been awake if Cam Newton was in the game. They hmm. were sleepwalking last night. How do you That's get the worst up- game of Mahomes' career? Yeah, right? I mean, how do you get up for a game like that in this particular season? Okay, another thing that happened on Dan Patrick today: Chris Sims 
who we'll talk more about later because I want to I want to rate journeyman quarterbacks looks and hairs later in the podcast. But first, Chris Sims had these top five MVP candidates this year: Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. He keeps in there, and Josh Allen. I think that's pretty consensus. Is there a sixth or seventh quarterback that's going to get into that conversation this year? Is there anyone you like to break that top five? Oh man, um, well I think that. Tom Brady's not in there yet. No, but he could get there. Yeah. Um, I thought Kyler Murray was there after two. Kyler Murray was there for me after two weeks, but he's looked awful the last two weeks. His deep ball accuracy has gone way downhill. Uh, he didn't was, wasn't throwing it very well against Carolina at all. Um, I think we can – I mean, can we eliminate Dak Prescott yet? I don't know. He's going to throw for 6,500 yards. <laughs> If they win the division and they win 10 or 11 games, which is, I mean, seems unlikely given that they're one and three, but not impossible. And he throws and he breaks the passing yards. He seems more likely to be offensive player of the year. Yeah. No, but you're I, right. If they're seven like, and nine like a, and win the division, you can't give it to him. Wait, why no. are we talking about the MVP so much this year? I listen to a lot of NFL content and I feel like we're four games in and all I hear is yeah. about the MVP. Uh, someone on our show had an interesting theory that it was there's, the Heisman has not really started yet. So we're be- making it like the Heisman a little bit. I also think it's because the Russell Wilson doesn't have an MVP mm. conversation and the Seahawks have been a prominent team in primetime and in terms of their production, like they're going, they're like, you know, they, we had them on Sunday night football, right. Against the, the Patriots. And then didn't they have, they have another primetime game or have I just been watching Seahawks games? It's hard to tell because that four o'clock window feels primetime with the Cowboys it was does. a four o'clock window that felt like a primetime game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's probably because Russell has been involved and everybody's talking about the Russ doesn't have a vote thing and they're actually cutting Russ loose and he's playing well. And, and maybe it's sort of, we feel like, I don't know, maybe if it's too, like we were like, we think there's going to be a full season of football, but just in case there's not, we need to make sure we get our MVP takes short up now rather than uh, down the road. It would be, it would be pretty incredible if, if to like to extrapolate the season, if Russ didn't, win the division, the Bills up into the Patriots, and the, the Packers won like 14 games because I, Russ would get votes, but I don't know that he would win it. Uh, yeah, but no one well, they want to give it to a new person. You know, they want to get – Aaron Rodgers is 1-1, I'm assuming. I don't even – is he 1-1 one, one or 2? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's won – he won in 2011 when – oh, no, in 2000 um, – he won in a year that they left the playoffs early, I think. We well, won in 2011 because they went 15-1. and one, Yeah. And then didn't he win in 2004? Yes, I think he won a second one later. We'll yeah. uh, we'll get our things best that, people. Things that your average sports fan, <laughs> NFL writer, should know. No, but yeah, MVP two time. No, yeah, yes, two time NFL MVP, 2011-2014. The MVP does not. I don't know why all of a sudden it's a thing. In the, and I think it's also because people love to talk about Josh Allen. Everyone's got an opinion about Josh Allen, so I think that's a way to get that in. Uh, okay, scoring way up this year as of today. Yeah. 51.8 points a game or something like that. The record since the merger is 48. Uh, give me a couple theories. You, you got it nailed down, Will? Oh, I mean, I don't know if I got it nailed down, but I think I, I think it's a, a confluence of events, if you Ooh. will. Ooh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> somebody somebody got a word of the day calendar. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'll go with, uh, I think, the holding calls. That's a legit yeah. thing. The penalty disparity is massive, Andrew. I mean, it's, yeah. there's holding calls. I think Kevin Seifert reported before last week down 60%. You're just not seeing a ton of them, um, and it's not like it's not like officials forgot how to call holding calls. 
as he wrote, Walt Anderson is now in the VP is, is, or is in the officiating office with a lot of influence in that regard. And he has stated publicly that he believes it's more exciting if you're, if there's points being scored, the ratings are good. People are loving football. No, you don't hear anybody complain about ref shows these days on, and I know Twitter's an echo chamber, but you just don't, yeah. you don't like people aren't wh whinging about it quite as much. I think that makes a difference. Um, that's a positive for the NFL. That will probably keep an impetus on what they're doing. Pass interference calls are up or even, and you know, that's going to increase scoring. Um, and of course I think no off season makes a huge difference. I mean, yep. there's no, there's no preseason. So defenses aren't ready. The tackling is sloppy. Um, and you know, these guys are not necessarily in you know, quite in shape yet either. And so I think too, when you add in injuries, you know, injuries can or injuries hurt offense just as much. Like if you lose a star linebacker versus losing Saquon Barkley, the defense is going to suffer its production a lot more than a, than an offense would losing a running back versus, and we haven't knock on wood seen quarterback injuries uh, pop up heavily this year, which is kind of surprising. Usually there's two or three guys who go down for a little bit of time. Oh, absolutely. You know, but the, I think coming into the season, everyone said offense will be slow because of no preseason. So that actually didn't work out that way. It went, went the, the other way. Yeah. It went absolutely the other way. Uh, I've been pitching a new theory that wide receiver is the new running back. And I know you probably are going to be quick because, you know, don't pay the running back was the big thing in the Twitter sphere for NFL for a long time. Now it feels like wide receivers are coming out of everywhere. And yeah. it doesn't matter, even if you give a good one away like Stephon Diggs in Minnesota, you just draft another one because there's 100 coming in every year. Then you got guys like David Moore, who's a seventh-round pick out of, I looked up a school, East Central or something, uh, the Seahawks guy, who can make a ballerina catch in the corner of the end zone at any given time. There's so many good receivers. And, of course, you have Aaron Rodgers still being amazing with, like, the worst receiving core we've ever seen. So are, are receivers becoming completely generic? And do you have to rethink the way you team build around them? Uh, I do. There is a stat out there, and I think it's like no one has won a Super Bowl. This is going to be fairly inexact and, and paraphrase, so apologies. Yeah. Advance, but no one has won a Super Bowl with the top the top five paid wide receiver in the yeah. last. Oh, I've botched like 20 I've, years or something. Yeah. Like and like it's crazy. I mean, obviously, you had Randy Moss didn't win in New England. You can right. go back to Jerry Rice was the top receiver, but it's rare that you have even like a real number one. That's a lot of right. Patriots, though. I mean. Yeah, it's just a ton of Patriots, right. And I'm, I'm just trying to think. I mean, the Falcons were there with Julio. So you've had teams show up there and then like lose the game. Yeah. Well, there you uh, go. I, I think, I mean, I think it comes down to like, you know, when we talk about asset allocation and what you're paying is if you can end up, you can end up getting wide receivers who can be productive on the cheap. Like look at the Falcons last night or look at the Packers yeah. last night in that same game. Olamide Zacchaeus. Oh, right? I mean, the, we, we, the, we joke about this on the pick six pod all the time, but it's like the Falcons, we've got 11 first round picks. Oh yeah. <laughs> like check it out. It's like, well, one of them's Laquan Treadwell. The other is Todd Gurley and Hayden Hurst. Like, wait, like, stop it. Dude, this is ridiculous. Like these are your scrap heap guys. And then they show up on Monday night football in week four and Zacchaeus is their number one wide receiver because Julio's hurt. Yeah. And, and, and look, the, the offense didn't look good, but you know, Rogers is out there throwing to, um, you know, Rob Tanyan. I mean, like, and he's yeah. a tight end, but I mean, it's, yeah, you can, I think, yeah. I think yeah. you can supplement your wide receiver depth very easily. We had a great, and, yeah, we had a great story. Tony Dungy was around the show. He was telling us about Minnesota back in the day. <laughs> 
He said, Jacob Reed. Remember Jacob Reed, uh, yeah. wide receiver? Couldn't catch anything. Couldn't catch a thing in camp. Then all of a sudden, Warren Moon came on the team. And Warren Moon threw every single pass between the what are the eight and the three or whatever. All of a sudden, right. Jacob Reed had the best hands in the NFL. Yeah. So a huge function of a wide receiver is where the where Aaron Rodgers is putting ball. Well, and I think it's a good like a good case study would be DeAndre Hopkins, right? Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins can elevate above bad quarterback play. Right. You have elite wide receivers who can succeed despite bad quarterback play. It doesn't always work. I mean, Odell Beckham wasn't great last year and wasn't always great with the Giants because of the quarterback play. Uh, but good quarterback play can elevate like mid-tier wide receivers and or you know or or guys who are not elite level talent like the Julio, the non-Julio Joneses of the world into quality receivers. I mean it, that happens a lot more often than the other way around. It's funny with this DeAndre Hopkins thing. So Obviously, I think he's leading the league in catches. He's amazing. But all of a sudden, the Cardinals aren't that good. So it makes yeah. it a little confusing of a storyline. Because it was easy to jump on, oh, Bill O'Brien completely screwed up, which he did. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt about it. Obviously, Deshaun Watson doesn't look nearly as good. But it's another thing. I don't know if you win necessarily with just that guy. You need a lot more. Yeah, I don't know that. I mean, like, it's not like DeAndre, to, your, I mean, to our point, it's not like DeAndre Hopkins showed up and turned Kyler Murray into you know, an MVP candidate overnight. Now he did for two days, for two games, they look like it and they're feeding him, but they want to run the ball and they haven't been doing that effectively. And you don't have, you, you need to run that air raid. You need more. In fact, it's counterintuitive with the air raid to have a yep. true number one and to just feed him, pummel him with targets because the whole idea is everybody, you know, you're running these routes and it's not. And I, like, I understand what Bill O'Brien's thought process was to a small degree. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to have your quarterback just locking into one guy, yeah. just peppering with targets. You want to, you know, you want to run your offense and then have the quarterback make decisions. And if it's, you know, if it's, if it's positive value to have him go to, you know, to, to the number one wide receiver, then all, then be it, you know, and like you design those routes for that one number one wide receiver. Um, and it's more true with the air raid. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little, um, yeah, I, I don't think that DeAndre Hopkins can magically take the Cardinals to the Super Bowl or anything like that. No, absolutely not. And would you do a trade? Say you're the Eagles, and Julio Jones uh, or AJ Green were available deadline. I mean, Julio is limping pretty hard on uh, Monday, and AJ Green goes out every six plays with an injury now. But those teams, I think, are you know, you're going to hear a lot of that. I don't even know when the trade deadline is in this crazy season. I don't but, know that Julio is tradable. Oh, okay, the contract because of the cap hit. They, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I, I know what you're saying. I yeah. agree. I think the Falcons will be. They'll be discussing. Will the Falcons? dump everybody i don't think julio i mean he is he, everybody's tradable but right. it's like a, it's like a 32 million dollar cap hit, dead oh. cap hit for Falcons, i think or something yeah maybe aj aj, AJ green definitely trade yeah he uh he you know he misses my guy andy dalton that's very obvious <laughs> although joe he's going to dallas yeah he needs to go to dallas uh i mean but for the yeah. eagles i do think there is a some value in maybe trading for a wide receiver and not oh, because yeah. they can't I mean, like the Patriots should have done something last year. You know, they traded the, what the second round pick for most new. And oh, and not Emmanuel Sanders, who is right. And awesome. that, that ended up being great for the 49ers. Yeah. That, I think the right trade can boost it. I would. I think AJ Green would be an okay fit with Carson Wentz if he still got something in the tank. I'm a and big, just, yeah. I'm a big AJ Green fan. It's the durability is the issue, and he doesn't look. Him and Burrow don't have chemistry. Uh, Burrow's got like, a lot of chemistry with the other guys. Well, you know, Larry Fitzgerald. AJ Green always cited Larry Fitzgerald when he talked about how he wanted to play in the same spot for his entire career. Mm. I think maybe he's a little sort of like, 
You know, like, yeah. you know, he knows he's not going to be back in Cincinnati next year. He's already made a ton of money. He's not, he doesn't feel, maybe he doesn't feel invested, like gunning for a contract. He's just sort of myth that he's not going to be a part of this. And he's not on the same page with Burrow. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's there. Yeah. I mean, and also too, we don't really know AJ's personality that well. We don't know Julio and AJ. We know everything about Odell Beckham. Certain guys are just a bit of a mystery. Uh, Okay. So important topic. You're good friends with Brady Quinn. Uh, (laughs) Best friends. Best friends. I'm going to do a list. I don't know if we're going to just do hair or overall looks, but I'm going to give you a journeyman quarterback. We're not uh, classifying Brady Quinn as a journeyman quarterback, are we? Ooh, is it Brady? Listen, I don't know. What would you classify him as? How many teams? Did he I don't play think. On? Of, I don't think. How many teams did he play on? Uh, if if that's the qualification, then yes. Um, I don't. I think for like former first round pick is not journeyman. Okay. Guy, well, I don't think Brady Quinn. I thought Brady Quinn could have been better in the right situation. Honestly, like, yeah, he played a lot of games, but I think he was a bit of a disappointment because he was a huge star, and you know, he never really found his his home in the NFL. Oh no, no, no. I think that Brady's. I don't want to. I mean, like, yeah, I I don't think Brady would say his career was what he expected it to be. And I think if he had landed in, we talked about this the other day with him. If he had been the, if he come out a year later and been the 18th overall pick to the Ravens, oh, he's. I mean. Maybe he's Joe, a better version of Joe Flacco, you know? Wait, hold on. How many teams? Two. Wait, Brady Quinn only played on two teams? He only played actual games on two. But oh, he the was Broncos and Browns? Broncos, yeah. No, he played for the Chiefs, too, in 2012. Chiefs and Browns. Oh, I he thought was he was on the Jets, in 2000, Jets and Seahawks, too. Okay. But he never, he never, like, started games with them. He definitely started games for the Chiefs. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, yeah, all right. Well, anyway, you got to rate these guys because okay. I'm a big uh, David Carr that, fan. That was fan. Andrew. That was just me trying to make sure that like I'm not saying. Oh yeah, yeah. No. Quarterback. Well, you've ruined the whole bit. But who's a better looking guy, Brady Quinn, uh-huh. David Carr, Dan Orlovsky, or my friend Chris Sims? Uh, I think it's honestly like I think Carr and Brady Quinn are one seed. So this is a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I mean, well. I mean, you know, I have a, uh, I I would, would I'm taking Brady as the best looking guy in that group. Uh, I will say that David Carr and look, David Carr once came to Carolina and played for a year wearing dainty little mittens. Um, Those little white gloves that he had back in uh, 2008. (laughs) I don't remember that. Oh man. You got to look up. uh, Oh, it's, it's incredible. He wore these little white gloves um, because he was trying to resuscitate his career in Carolina and they are, uh, it, there's something special. Okay. There's a picture of him like pointing, like with little mittens on. Um, I would, uh, but he, he's a handsome man. Yeah. I'll take Brady. I think Brady has a, I think, uh, David Carr is a more of a polished handsomeness to him. And, uh, and, and Brady has a bit of a, like, um, I don't know how to describe it. No, yes, it's not you like do. A, Come on, you can do this. Don't don't be shy, Will. Well, not be shy. I'm just saying, like, I feel like Brady has a bit of a a bit of a confident swagger, handsomeness to him. You know, like he's Got not it. afraid. And you, 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 like, I guess all quarterbacks have that. Uh, Chris Sims is a good looking dude too. Yeah, Chris Sims yeah. got a bit of a hipster hipster quarterback thing going on. Absolutely. Uh, I just saw the picture of David Carr. <laughs> You're right. Dainty it's is incredible. the only way to describe it. And he's got a little mullet thing going on i don't i don't yeah. remember that era at all bit of a fresno vibe right yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you see yeah. the fresno in him it's interesting you know you've heard of face drafting before right like that's probably a real thing i mean oh, quarterbacks sure. are definitely good looking i mean joe burrow 
I don't know that I describe him. He's obviously a good-looking guy, but he, I, I think he's an '80s bad guy in yes. a teen film. A lot of people think Macaulay Culkin, Jim Brewer. What's your best uh, comparison the, for him? The Macaulay Culkin thing is pretty spot on. Yeah, like it's it's pretty crazy. Like if Joe Burrow throws a touchdown and goes like this, yeah. it's gonna look a lot like Macaulay Culkin. By the way, um, remember Sam Darnold a few years ago when he was coming out of USC? Uh, some there was an unnamed personnel executive. I can't remember who he told it to. He's like, he has a bad face. Yeah. Like, it's like face drafting is absolutely real. You want your quarterback to be handsome, rugged, yeah. tough. Like you, like you can look him in the eyes and believe he's going to get, get it done. I mean, yeah, but is there too handsome? Like, and I'm, yeah, for sure. I'm thinking Mark Sanchez who got to two AFC, AFC title games. He I was mean, too handsome. Maybe he was dragged there by Thomas Jones and, and a, like a, legendary defense but yeah I mean, he played I mean, he played well he was probably too handsome yeah i think i think you can definitely be too handsome yeah by cam newton's jawline i mean come on cam newton's a devastatingly handsome he's devastatingly handsome yeah i mean you look at that should be the real mvp race he's, i never used to think aaron Rodgers was that handsome but he kind of grows on you he's got but he doesn't seem to care or, or is that like a cultivated i, I like i like that i yeah. like that level of handsomeness where he's like eh, i'm gonna grow this sort of trimmed up santa claus beard and i don't care yeah, yeah, but I think he actually secretly works on that a little bit because he is sensitive. Um, okay, quarterback looks. I can't figure out what to do. And I know you're in Carolina with with Teddy Bridgewater. Is he really good? Is he good enough to win nine games? Is is he ruining the tank job for the Panthers? What is the deal with Teddy Bridgewater? I I watch him and I like him a lot. I love that he's running now. He's very accurate. What? Yay or nay on Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina? I think that I say yay for what he is. And okay. I don't, I, I think that what Carolina wanted to do, and this is sort of with the benefit of hindsight, because we did think when they were getting rid of Keekley and Greg Olson and Cam Newton, that they were trying to tank. Um, and they paid Christian McCaffrey sort of, say, Hey, don't everybody abandon this, uh, this team quite yet. And Matt rule in his you know history of building up programs at temple and then Baylor has always stripped everything down and been just mm. awful the first year or just started from scratch. Like he comes in and builds a program. Um, I think sort of what the goal with Teddy Bridgewater might've been is a, he knows Joe Brady because they worked together um, in new Orleans yep. for, for, for a brief spell. And so you, you have a pandemic shortened off season. You know that when you're signing Teddy Bridgewater, that there's going to be some concerns about that. You shorten the verb, the, the, the learning curve for Teddy Bridgewater and and for Joe Brady, like you're making life easier because he's worked with the quarterback before. I mean, that's, that's important for a 30 year old offensive coordinator in his first stop there. Um, and then B Teddy's what Teddy is, I think is perfectly on display against the Cardinals. He has sneaky running skills. Like he is, he is sneakily athletic. Like, <laughs> yeah. You, know, you don't, you don't hear that about an African American quarterback much. He is sneakily athletic. He yeah. doesn't look like it. Um, B, he is crazy accurate. He makes good decisions. And then C, I just think he's he has a really high floor and a fairly compressed ceiling. Yep. I don't think Teddy he doesn't throw the ball particularly well down the field. You know, he's not going to be banging these like go routes all the time, but he is going to be really accurate and make smart decisions, not turn the ball over, and that sort of lets you so the Panthers are now built to be this really young defense with some nice pieces that are starting to develop on the on the job. And then an offense that has low depth of target, uh, you know, high percentage throws, low depth of target, and then you let guys do stuff on yards after catch. And obviously it's hurt by not having Christian McCaffrey, but Mike Davis is doing a nice job. Yeah. It's not hurt that back. much. 
It's not yeah, her bad yeah, guy. Exactly. They won both games. It also feels like maybe it's because they're underdogs, but they seem to like each other. It's weird. I know. Like yeah. I'm I'm only seeing this from a million miles away, but I'm like, oh, that team's got each other's back. I love Matt Rule. Uh I think everyone's gonna all the owners are gonna be like, give me a Matt Rule next year. And I don't know which is Dabba. Well, Dabo's well, not Matt Rule. Matt Campbell is Matt Rule. Now, that's, I think I don't understand why anybody would not want Matt Campbell. No, it's Did you hear what he said after that Oklahoma game? No, what he said. He said something to the effect of like, they're like, you know, how are you controlling your emotion in this moment to you know, with Iowa State taking down Oklahoma here? And he goes like, well, my emotions right now are that we could have played a little bit better. And oh, then wow. it was like, what? Like, what? Like, give me this guy right now. I mean, what a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. I think Matt Campbell, who would the – I was just doing this. Uh, I think um, the Lincoln Riley, I think the noise starts again. because I don't know if they're bad helps that situation, but I feel – I also – this is maybe way too – I don't think Mike McCarthy is beloved in the Jones household. I just get this vibe that they're not that into him. I think they're – I think they're like, oh, my God, we just bought a lemon. Yes. Oh, oh my God. Yes. We, we thought we bought this, like – like. You know, I was going out to buy this Cadillac that I was going to drive, you know, a sturdy yeah. cruise, like, like it can run fast. Uh, gonna be, it's not going to be, you know, excessively gaudy or anything like that, but it's a, it's a perfect car with lots of room yeah. and it's going to drive nicely. We can fit it right in there. And, and oh, oh my God, it has a, like a, a, a one cylinder engine in, underneath the hood. And yeah, this is a problem. The game day has to look good. What do you think of Dabo as a pro coach? I don't know. I, I would, I mean, I question it because I think Dabo is, such a great recruiter yeah and it plays his his i don't want to his stick for lack of a better word plays in the south yep right like he's a big religious guy he's you know very folksy and coming in and shaking hands and he's very enthusiastic they have committed to paying um uh okay what's his defensive venables brett venables he makes like 3.2 million dollars as a defensive coordinator which is insane right and but they've committed to paying his assistance so that's sort of a problem if you jump into the pro level like are you going to have that same buy-in from an owner hey mm. to pay that level of salary um and look he he he's done a great job recruiting and you can't do that at the nfl level you know you have to you have to you have to be able to work within the you know the confines of the draft system and the free agency system mm-hmm. having said that like I'm not, I, I doubted Dabo when he was hired to replace Tommy Bowden, and I'm not going to doubt him again because yeah. I look like a dumbass. Think the Texans might go there? Relationship with Easterby, it, yeah. It is, it is buzzed about. Yep, Atlanta. East, well, Easterby and Dabo are apparently friends. Yeah, I, definitely I, very close yeah. friends. Apparently, uh, Atlanta trying to lose the rest of their games, get a Trevor Dabo combo. You, you like that at all? I, I think Atlanta is way too good to get in that total tank conversation so they've got i don't they've got uh minnesota uh the panthers twice i had this up a second ago sorry they have yeah. minnesota the panthers twice i'm in a second um detroit and denver those are their five games before the bye their week 10 bye we were debating this last night it's like how many games does dan quinn have to win to not get fired on the bye i think it's Four, three, I mean, three at bare minimum. Mm. I think probably four. If he's four and five going into the bye, I don't think he gets fired, right? And four mm, and five no. ain't getting you Trevor. No, no, no. You're not yeah. good. Yeah, I don't, they're way too good. I mean, they should be, they should have won three games. So there's no, I don't, I don't see that. And I'm, I kind of, I like Matt Ryan a lot. He does seem kind of, kind of washed. Um, although, look at Philip Rivers in the right situation, you can win ball games. 
So, hey, I have a question, Will. Where are you from originally? I am from High Point, North Carolina. So, have you ever had a Southern accent? N- no. And the reason why is that my mother, who's from Jacksonville, Florida, okay. was worried that when we grew up, we would talk like this. And so she made, uh, she made me say words like oil instead mm. of all. You say it all and iron down here. And she didn't want us saying all or iron. She wanted us saying oil and iron. And so as a result, my, what would be a Southern accent was like stripped out of me. But you can still do a Dabo Sweeney impersonation. Yeah. I mean, I do a Dabo like George W. Bush and Jerry Jones impersonation. That's all sort of the same thing, but yes. Oh yeah. Dan Patrick does Jerry Jones. It sounds a lot like Bill Clinton, which, <laughs> I, you know, and actually you'd be surprised. There's a lot in common there, but we won't even get into that. Um, well, they're both, both Arkansas guys. Makes sense. Yeah, let's hear a quick Jerry thing. I I think I've heard I mean, that. I still understand why, why, why Mike, Mike can't seem to get things going. I mean, you got to get out there and you got to run. The, you got to run the football, Mike. You got to get Zeke involved and let's get this thing moving. Get downhill and then all of a sudden we can come around and, and rip the mosquitoes' teats off. Let's go. That's pretty good. That could have been any of the three people you mentioned before. Right. I mean, it's just sort of a blend of. And then if you want to do a North Carolina redneck, you got to get a little deeper and draw it out a little bit. Have I asked you why North Carolina football is always has so many draft prospects and so many violations, but never wins at the highest level over the last 10 years? Uh, if there were an award for, and I'm obviously an NC State guy. As you can yeah, yeah. But if there were an award for, uh, like, number of times you've been referenced as a sleeping giant in a Phil, Phil Steele <laughs> magazine, Carolina, Carolina would be, like, the national champions every year. Yeah. Now, having said that, it does feel as, like, one of their rivals that, they sort of are a sleeping giant and that it's kind of like Mac, you know, we're like, I mean, Mac, Mac Brown comes back. We're like Mac is back, please. Like yeah. this guy's 85 years old. He's not, and he came back and he flipped it. Um, Carolina just has the resources. It's always been a cool school from a national perspective. Um, there's no one around here who's ever been great at football with the exception of Clemson, obviously popping up now, but they're in the different division yeah. than Carolina. So it was, there was always just, Everybody's always looking for somebody in the Atlantic Coastal Division to rise up and and, ch- and and be good because the second that Miami and Virginia Tech got here, got mm. to the ACC, they were supposed to be dominant, and they just haven't been. You know, they haven't done much of anything. And so I think people are always looking for someone to pop up, and Carolina is a better choice than Duke. Oh, of course. Uh, although Daniel Jones. All right, we got to wrap in a second. The issue that I really called you for, as you know, is. On your podcast, you were listing <laughs> great films from some year, and you had Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone, Schindler's List, which got me thinking there's, um, there's a lot of talk that 1999 was the last great year in movies. Let me just read you some of the movies from that year. Uh, American Beauty, uh, let's see, The Sixth Sense, uh, Three Kings, Election, Being John Malkovich, Magnolia, The Blair Witch Project, Office Space, Run, Lola, Run, of course, Fight Club. Uh, the Matrix, a defining year. Um, do you agree that that's the best movie year in our recent history? And what the heck happened to movies? That's the second question. Like, I can't imagine any of those movies coming out now. There's just none of that. There's no buzz at all. And I'm a big movie guy. I mean, well, I mean, I don't, I don't think this is inappropriate to suggest, but I think the answer is obvious to me. It was 9-11. Mm. It changed everything. It changed, like, like culturally you were not allowed for a while to create a movie like Austin Powers 2, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Yeah. All all of a sudden, movies had to be very serious and introspective and and looking at the darker side of things. Obviously, when 
you know, you have a terrorist attack like that. It, it, you know, then you had a bunch of movies that were sort of twisted into that sort of war. I mean, like it was just a time in the country where you were focusing on a certain genre of movies because it was something that interested people as well. And I just think like, so I, I think back to so 99 with like American beauty that won the Oscar, right? I think so. Yeah. Right. I mean, but it's a, in hindsight, obviously less than ideal that it's Kevin Spacey who's creeping on. Yeah. Oh my person. God. They couldn't do that in a million years. If right Even if it wasn't now, Kevin Spacey, it's an insane plot line. It is an insane plot line. Like yeah. it would not fly yep. in 2020. It's pretty crazy that it flew in 1999 and that it was given the best picture award. And I, I just think that at, at when, when nine 11 happened and Clearly, you know, and like they, I mean, a bunch of movies got canceled. A bunch of shows got canceled. Yep. The people were it was like, this, we can't put this stupid, like goofy stuff out. Yeah. And so it took a while for, I, I mean, like, for instance, it took a couple of years afterwards before people were willing to, um, to go like, so old school came out in 03. Mm. Right. And yep. so the, the, the Will Ferrell crowd and the, the Wilson brothers sort of started doing the, slapstick stuff again but in but in less of like a naked gun kind of goofy kind of way and more of a like a frat bro sort of way yeah. that was that was like a darker funny yeah. which i think which i think kind of worked in but none of these movies these either like it, it took a long time before movies that were bizarre or really goofy could be considered for these awards because it was like, we had to, you know, we have to be serious about how we are handling these mm. awards because times have changed and things are different now. And I think, I think that that was, I think that's the delineation I look at. You know, the other big thing for me is that cultural void was filled in by TV. And I think a lot of talent, yeah, sure. talent went to TV. Uh, we're out of time, so we can't dive into all these good shows. Are you a, what's a, give me one show you're into now. Oh, or uh, most recently into. i just did the boys, for example. I haven't done the boys yet. I love it. Um, oh, you know what I've re I've been rewatching because I like I find that I need something, and this is not a great thing to go to sleep to. But like during football season, it's harder for me to fire up a new show, mm -hmm. just because. Oh know. yeah, and you do your pot at night too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been rewatching Justified, which is awesome. Oh okay, I've always heard that's great. I haven't done it's it. Yeah, Tim. I mean, it's it's a you know it's Timothy Oliphant, Walter Goggins. It's oh, not like I, love I mean that. it's 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 got that. It's like a, it's a little bit darker because it's in the Kentucky backwoods and it's like war between, you know, like battles between cops and bad guys. Oh yeah. But it's got that, it's got that like very sarcastic, like humor about yeah. it that is, that is endearing. Yeah. We never had that TV in the night. Like never before like Sopranos and the wild, like none of that existed. So I think that both of those, I think you had a great point about 9-11 and you know, Obviously, like Me Too and other social movements are going to change the face of movies too, probably for the better in many ways. Well, but, and, and I know you said we're out of time, but the Sopranos yeah. thing is important too because yeah. the Sopranos was the first uh, evil protagonist. Yes. And like that flipped everything yeah. because then it became acceptable to have a bad guy be your main character, but it was hard to do that in a movie. Mm -hmm. And so those sort of migrated to television. And then there was the explosion of television. Yeah, Walter, Walter White being the bad guy who, right. I mean, John, I mean, uh, 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 Don Draper, you know yeah. I mean? Like, and also guy. they killed pussy, you know, and then game of Thrones kills their star in the first season. So not only right. did you have bad guys, you could kill main characters. Things it's evolved. totally different. And approach. then like the boys and umbrella Academy and some of these new shows are going sci-fi and just taking it a hundred more levels. I love it. But yeah. I, you know, movies, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, you see these theaters closing. Like, it's, oh, it's not going to be nothing like our youth. But 
Luckily, we have a lot of sports to uh, carry us throughout. Uh, Will, I appreciate the time. Dude, you know I'm listening, and you know uh, without Sean there, I don't have as much to correct. But <laughs> I mean, he did nail the Mahomes far thing, unfortunately. <laughs> like, <if> he... <laughs> yeah, actually, that was right. I had to mention that. Dan Patrick was always mad at your fellow podcaster who said that Mahomes has already achieved more than Favre. All right, yeah. maybe he's right. Okay. He well, he he made the mistake of framing it as like Mahomes is better career than Favre. It's like no, that's stupid. Yeah. Like maybe his talent is better, and he, I still he has he, still hasn't done more than Favre. No, like, no, no. Like he wouldn't rank above Favre if he retired right now. God, I miss yelling at that guy in my car. I know. I know. But we you guys, him, you guys, we, still, go, we have to go hire a millennial to to fill his void on the podcast. No, but you guys come up with some dumb takes. Don't don't worry, you got plenty of dumb takes. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your time, Will. Great to see you, and uh, we'll definitely talk soon. You got it, buddy. That was Will Brinson from CBS Sports. Uh, so, Mario, you you don't talk about TV a lot. You're more, you know, to your credit, you're more a stick to sports guy. I'm betting on this. I'm watching this. I know there's a lot going on right now. You're a big baseball playoff guy. Any shows during the pandemic that caught your attention? During the pandemic, I watched uh, All American on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah. Terrible football choreographer. Awful, awful. <laughs> but so I mean, bad. the storyline was pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Anything that has sports involved with it, I'll pr- pretty much get into. Did DM- you watch QB One? I did. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. See, like for sports, to me, you don't need the Friday Night Lights was great, but it wasn't a sports show. I never seen Friday Night Lights. Oh, if you liked All American, you'll love it, dude. It's, yeah, it's really great, and it's not about sports really. I mean, sports is a big part of it. But and I'm talking about the show, not the movie. The movie's a little depressing. Yeah, the book is amazing too. Uh, all right, well, that was uh, this week's against the grain, uh, Mario. It's good to have you back, my man. I'm happy to be back. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll be talking about a, a more of your uh, Philadelphia Eagles leading the division. Uh, see how long they can hold on to that. People are excited in Philly. That's sad. That's sad. All right, <laughs> this is against the grain. If you don't subscribe, please do. I'm Andrew Perloff. Talk to you. Against the grain, against the grain, against the grain, against the grain.